The views expressed in this show are those of the authors and do not necessarily represent the official policy or position of the Department of Defense, Department of the Navy, or the U.S. government. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Philosophication with Ginger and the Beard. I'm Jason, and I just have one quick thing to share before today's episode. So I've finally gotten the Philosophication website up and running. That's at philosophication.net, which will be linked in the description in case you want to check it out. There's only one post on there right now, which consists of some of my thoughts on the Iliad. I'd written that months ago, but finally got the website up and running last week. Now, the reason I wanted to have a website in the first place was that I've decided to write down my thoughts about each book we read for our great book series in essay form, and I wanted to have a place to share what I've written. So that was the original purpose, but I'm realizing now that a website would probably just be a good thing to have to be associated with the podcast in general. So there's a good chance I might start making it that in the future, but for now it's just a place for me to share my thoughts on the great books. So the Iliad post is up there now, and I also just finished reading the Odyssey last week, so I'll be working on a post about that next. Uh, Not sure how long it'll take me, but that's coming. Again, the website is linked in the description, and without further ado, we bring you today's conversation. Well, welcome back to America. Thank you. Thank you. So I've been playing a lot of online chess lately. And the other day, uh, I played a guy with the username repeal the second. And and on his on his profile picture, he had like a Gadsden flag with a circle with a line crossed out, like line through it. So do do tread on me. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I I have to beat this guy for honor. (laughs) And I did. Yeah. Well, that's good. Good for you. <laughs> anyway, so uh, you want to summarize the Covington thing real quick? Well, before I do that, I guess since you mentioned the Welcome to America thing, uh, you know, I don't think anyone knows what was going on there. So, oh yeah, yeah. So I haven't even done my own an episode of Unalienable yet um, since I got back, and uh, for that I apologize for those who care. Um, but yeah, I was in uh, I was in Antarctica on a mission down there and we were, we were supposed to be there a couple weeks. It ended up being about four weeks and uh, it was cold and miserable and awesome. Just awesome. It was, uh, we were down there at a McMurdo station. It's like the national science foundation. Um, They have the U S Antarctica program and that is their big logistics hub. And uh, you know, basically only once a year, can a ship break through the ice? Like the ice is only thin enough for an uh, for a Coast Guard icebreaker to get through there in the middle of summer. Summer in the Southern Hemisphere is the middle of winter here. But anyway, so we go down there and bring them like a year supply of stuff, um, the stuff they need to do their their research to to subsist down there. All the all the fuel, food, um, everything they need, and. Uh, and yeah, so all the other little bases that are, you know, U.S. Antarctica program bases where they're off doing research with the penguins and the volcanoes and the glaciers and all that, we bring them all that stuff. So um, pretty cool to be a part of that and to support um, science, you know, and the National Science Foundation. And uh, I'm, very, I'm just a really lucky guy. You know, three months ago, I was in north of the Arctic Circle in Norway and... Then I was just south of the Antarctic Circle in Antarctica. So uh, I'm like the luckiest guy ever. I have a really cool job. Not going to lie about it. So, uh, 
Nice. It's just a really unique unit that I'm part of, and we get to go all over and do all kinds of cool things. So, and I'm just really loud, and I hear a tweeting. Is that you? Is there a bird? Yeah, there's birds outside. That's kind of nice. All right, just leave <laughs> that in. All right. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. So uh, I saw a penguin. I saw some orcas, and I saw a bunch of seals that were just laying out like fat blobs uh, on the ice. So, next so not. Years. So not Navy SEALs? No. Just, reg- just regular SEALs? No, no. No one ever sees SEALs. <laughs> Navy SEALs. They're sneaky. A real SEAL is like the opposite of a Navy SEAL. I don't know why <laughs> they actually call themselves that, because SEALs are lazy. Um, but they just lay around all day. But anyway, um, so it was really cool. Really happy to be back, though, because it was, it was quite long enough. I missed, you know, America and my wife and my dogs and uh, mostly Chipotle though. So I've had Chipotle like 10 times since I got back. So all that said, I, uh, uh, I'm glad we're finally talking I missed a lot while I was gone. Uh, oh yeah. Well so much caught up. Yeah. I think I'm pretty well caught up yeah, in the news. Yeah. And, uh, for those that are interested, I'm currently very slowly, uh, because I've been just needing some time off. I'm working on, uh, an inalienable episode, a, a, a gut reaction episode for for the uh, for President Trump's emergency declaration, and you know the the wall situation, getting money for the wall that Congress didn't approve, and then I'm I'm more long term working on a uh, an abortion episode. I, I I don't know yet, but I think it might be kind of like the gun the gun series that I did. I might make it into a series of shorter pieces and release it as I go instead of waiting for this one. Cause I think it's going to be pretty huge and certainly as controversial, if not more than the gun one. So anyway, that's my plug. Um, nice. Yeah. So let's talk about Covington, the Covington kids at the Catholic school kids at the March for life. And uh, I think we want to tie that in with this more recent um, Jesse Smollett case, yeah, the hoax, yeah, yeah. So I think they're clearly related, and and just our general media climate. Yes. Okay. So uh, add anything I leave out, but so I did. I wasn't here for it, but um, it's my understanding that during the March for Life, there were these kids who. So I guess we'll start with how the media saw it because this is all the information anyone had. So the first thing that everybody saw was a little video came out and it showed this old native American guy banging a drum and this kid with a MAGA hat, like standing right in front of him, like just inches away from the drum and smiling. And then a bunch of other kids in the background, all white kids that well, not, they weren't all white kids, but the ones you see in the background, all like dancing around, you know, and then the caption is basically, you know, like MAGA hat wearing jerk, like mocking Native American leader at the at the in, indigenous people's march or something. So they even called it something else, you know, <laughs> like like they were there to troll people and not for their own reason. But anyway, so that it did look bad and I did see it. Um so I was actually in New Zealand on my way down there and I didn't have, you know, without paying out a whole bunch of money, like I, I, I got to see a little bit, but 
you know, uh, but I didn't have like, you know, 4G, whatever LTE down there without paying a bunch of money. So, you know, I saw, I saw like the picture and a little bitty clip and it did look bad. Um, you know, and it, I think it, it was, I think it probably hit a lot of people like, oof, that doesn't look good. And, and, uh, you know, it was a little, it was kind of believable. You know what I mean? Like it, it seemed outlandish, but just on its face, it, it didn't look good. And, uh, so then everybody jumped on it. Uh, not just the mainstream media, but like every, you know, left-wing politicians, some right-wing politicians, um, like every like lefty blue check person on Twitter was, you know, comment, commenting on it. Uh, A lot of people were literally calling for violence against these kids, like saying, you know, they're really punchable faces, some pretty prominent people, you know, um, important people. And, uh, and then, and they even had the the guy on. I forget his name. Nathan Phillips. Nathan, it was? Yeah, Nathan Phillips. I forget what show he was on. He was well, good, uh, good Morning America or something. I don't know. I think it was. it was Good Morning America. Yeah, they had him on, yeah, and like I don't know, even... Small was on Good Morning America. I don't know. Oh, lovely. Yeah, but <laughs> whatever. They had this Native American leader guy on, and uh, you know he was telling the story before the the boys even had a chance to respond. Uh, and this is where it kind of blew up even bigger. But, uh, you know, and he was saying he felt like he was in danger and he was just trying to get by and they were blocking him. And and he was there like he was he, he came to kind of support those poor black guys that were nearby who were they were taunting. Uh, and then, you know, basically. Uh, first, I think a statement came out from some of those guys, like they sent it to the to some news outlet and that kind of went around the media. And then, and then like all these videos started coming out showing, showing what, you know, the context that that other video happened in. And, uh, turns out that the, that the narrative that was pushed and what everybody was assuming was going on, that it was the complete opposite, like the exact mirror image of what was actually happening. Those, those black guys were, uh, black Israelites? Is that what they black, call themselves? Yeah, black Hebrew Israelites. Black Hebrew Israelites. Apparently, like a freaking cult. Like, yeah, it's like a like Westboro Baptist Church level of gay hating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were calling them all. You know, uh, they were just calling the kids names. They were calling the the like. There was at least one black kid that was at part of that Catholic school group of boys, and they were calling them the N word and. And calling them all, um, you know, crackers, crackers and the F word for gay people, uh, you know. Um, so, yeah, they were just being, you know, just and these kids were like, you know, so the story that we, we actually see is that these kids are, you know, trying to just sit there wait and wait for a bus and just kind of like fight off this negative, you know, energy and this hate by just singing and chanting and it's it's all kind of weird to me maybe it's because i didn't go to a catholic school maybe this is super normal at schools like that but i don't know my school had like a song and we would sing it at like pep rallies i guess at the end um but i was also on the football team so i kind of you know we sing a little bit together anyway you know it's i don't get it my school wasn't like that at all but they seem to have a lot of camaraderie and a lot of uh you know school spirit and you know they're just singing and dancing and trying to just drown out this negative energy and then this guy just walks right up to him 
and just a just and they have no idea what's going on. They start dancing. They think maybe he's there because you know he's just trying to jump in and have some fun. I don't know. And so it's not that they're mocking him. They're dancing because that's what they were doing anyway. And the guy comes up banging a drum. Um, and the guy, you know, he's like banging it right in his face. It's very aggressive. And, and the guy, he doesn't even smile most of the time. It goes on for a long time. And then like the few seconds where he's smiling is like what they capture and put on the internet. Like he's a smug, white privileged, you know, boy who, you know, everything you can imagine was written about this. Like it's like from white privilege to colonialism to, you know, uh, you know, whatever, you name it. It was everything face crime. Remember <laughs> thought crime, face crime, like yeah, a, a more obscure, un, less known part of 1984 from George Orwell, right? Is face, face crime, face yeah. crime. People talk about thought crime all the time, but no face crime, uh, you know, it's it's like you think of the gulags and people people worried about getting thrown in the gulags if they stop clapping first, you know, whenever the uh, you know <laughs> whenever Stalin stops speaking, right? It's yeah. like it's your your what you wear on your face and like there are whole articles written about his smile for God's sake <laughs> that like smiling is you know the news is like a white privilege or some crap. It, yeah, screwed it every possible way except for the truth. And yeah, uh, you know, to me this was like this whole thing was like. Uh, like Brett Kavanaugh 2.0, mm. as far as the media goes. Um, it was like Brett Kavanaugh, only worse. Because, you know, at least you can say, with with all the smearing they did against him, at least you can say he's a public figure. You know, yeah. not, not that that makes it okay to slander the guy, but at least he's a public figure and you would expect some scrutiny when you get nominated to the Supreme Court. But these were just a bunch of, of high school kids who had never been in the public eye before. And they just get all this, all these vicious smear attacks from the media. Um, So it reminds me a lot of that. I mean, the way the media reacted to this is the same way they reacted to Kavanaugh is the same way they reacted to Jesse Smollett, which we're going to talk about later. But um, really, you know, you said, you said when the initial video came out that it looked kind of, that it did look kind of bad. And I think the way it looked, as far as the way it looks, it's really a, you see what you want to see kind of thing. Yeah. Like it's really a Rorschach test. And um, this is another thing that reminds me a lot of, of Brett Kavanaugh, because I talked about this on this channel back when, uh, you know, back when that happened, when he testified to the, to the Senate judiciary committee and, you know, you had people coming out of the woodwork on both sides of the aisle saying either, you know, he's an angry entitled white man who's trying to protect his privilege and on the other side, he's like righteously indignant and trying to defend his good name. And it kind of blows my mind how two sides of an issue, two different sets of people with two pre, two different sets of preconceptions can look at exactly the same events and come to two wildly different contradictory conclusions. And then they they see their their own personal interpretation of the situation as fact. And it becomes yeah. fact in their eyes. And um, yeah, it, it's like, yeah. no, those aren't the facts. Like the facts of the Brett Kavanaugh situation are when he, you know, I'm talking about his testimony to the Judiciary Committee. The facts of the situation are, you know, he said this, these particular words in this order. And he made this series of, of facial gestures and body language. Those are the facts 
And whatever, like, whatever you get from that is your own interpretation. But yeah. people can't make that distinction. They're like, no, he was angry or he was entitled. And it's the same kind of thing here. It's like the facts are you saw a few seconds of video where a, a young kid was standing in front of a Native American banging a drum. And and it, it is and you just see like whatever people interpret from that is like they're they're showing their own preconceptions basically i think you're right but i think less so with the initial video of the the covington kids because i mean yeah certainly you could imagine people cutting the brett kavanaugh video to those who didn't watch it like live and show them little clips out of context and that can make but you can do that that's manipulating footage to elicit certain emotions it was deliberate you know what i mean like they tried to find the worst moment to make it look as bad as possible so i certainly don't have a bias i don't think that would make me think that there's a bunch of maga hat wearing like racists out there that are taunting minorities i don't think that's a thing um, i don't think it's any more of a thing than you know i don't know the, there's anti-vaxxers and and like 10% of Americans believe Elvis is still alive. I mean, I'm sure there's there's people out there who, who are like that, but it's not a big problem. And uh, I don't buy that narrative at all, but I still, initially, it looked bad to me. I didn't respond to it. I mean, I couldn't have anyway. It looked bad to me, but I still got that that like funny feeling like this is too good to be true. This is too perfectly in line with the narrative to be true, you know, like that, yeah. that even if it was bad, that it probably wasn't as bad as it looked, but it did look bad, you know, and that was deliberate by the people who cut that little video. So I'm not saying you're wrong. And I think certainly people who do think that, that buy the narrative immediately were like, oh, of course. Yeah. Every day this happens, you know, like they, like to them, it was, they had no doubt whatsoever. And I had doubts. And that certainly probably comes from that same thing you're talking about, you know, our own sort of preconceived conception of, of the world we live in. But, uh, but yeah, it was a little bit different, I think, because it was a tiny little clip taken out of context. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think you have enough skepticism about your own, uh, your own perceptions that you would not jump yeah. all over that, you know? Oh yeah. So my own That's gut, my own feeling that it looked bad wasn't enough for me to, to, to do anything. And that, that certainly is different. Like you're right that some people, have that and some people don't yeah and maybe maybe i'd be less likely to have it if there was some video showing exactly my concept of what the world looks like and some other person would be more skeptical that it just happened if it happened to line up with my worldview more perfectly you know i'd probably be more likely to jump on it you know and people who feel the opposite would be even if it looked bad in their eyes would have you know some doubts yeah, I guess what I'm getting at is is uh, how I think, and I don't know if this is different now than it has been in the past. I, I guess we've probably been this way for a long time, but too many people have a tendency to see something like that and and they just automatically translate their own perception of the situation to cold hard fact. Right. Without any skepticism about their own uh, their own perceptions. It's like yeah. their their own interpretation. It's like 
I, I saw this happen and I'm interpreting it this way, but they can't make the distinction between their own interpretation and the facts of the situation. Like right. to them, those are the same thing. Like yeah. my perception is the fact. And yeah. then, and then you get, you know, people with different preconceptions interpreted in wildly different ways. And then you have, you know, these, these sets of people who are completely convinced that their own perception is fact and they're contradicting each other. Yeah. Like you can't both be right, but they both are completely convinced that they're right. And, you know, and, and all of them think they have the facts on their side. They're like, just look at the video. It's, it's obvious. Well, <laughs> the other people think it's obvious in the other direction. So yeah, God, it's yeah. And this it, is like, this is like, I don't know what, I don't know how that gets resolved. Mm -hmm. You know, like, especially with the way the media is and the way social media is and how, you know, information just travels so fast today and yeah. stuff like this blows up overnight. And like, I don't know. And it seems to be getting worse. Like we've had three of these, these types, at least three of these types of incidents now in the last six months. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, the worst part, and certainly there were plenty of commentators who were very critical of the media that pointed out when this all happened with the, with the Covington kids that, that like the media totally botched this. They jumped on an uncorroborated story based on an out of context, tiny little video and just believed everything this guy said. And they, because what they want is to be the first, what's most important is that you break the story. And if you wait around for facts, then, you know, you're the one left behind. Right. So, but some people pointed out that like they're not going to learn anything from this. They all had to apologize and walk back and they were completely dead wrong. And it was un undisputable that they're dead wrong. And there's probably still some idiots out there that are defending, you know, the idea that the, you know, the Kevin kids are evil. And it's all because they had a MAGA, they had MAGA hats on and they're white and Christian and, and all that stuff, all those sins that they committed um, for being born that way. Um, being born with MAGA hats on, right? But anyway, uh, you know, so to them, it doesn't matter. They could not say a word, not do anything, and they're evil, right? Just because of that hat or whatever. Um, the fact that they were there just attending the March for Life, automatically, they're evil, they're horrible, they're racist, homophobe, bigots, right? Um, all that stuff. So, like, it just, to them, it was this gaping you know, like hole in the rest of our stories that, you know, that, uh, you know, that people can be good even if they disagree with you. Right. But, um, I think for the most part, very few people are still defending it, at least public figures, um, that position that they did anything wrong. Uh, you know, obviously like Kathy Griffin and all these people are like going back finding like basketball games where they all were painted black and like, oh, look, it's a racist school. The whole school is racist. And it wasn't even the same kids. You know, it's like seven years ago or something. I don't know, like years earlier, whatever. Um, they're doing the OK sign, you know, because it's a three pointer. Right. They're all like, ooh, and then like because it's yeah. a basketball game. And, and it means like, white God, power. Now. People reach so hard. And, um, you know, so. But anyway, point is that everyone knew they weren't going to learn their lesson, and they didn't. And the Jesse Smollett thing is a perfect 
example of how they didn't learn their lesson at all. Except it's, it's Jesse Smollett was so much worse because it was so fishy from the get go. It was way too good to be true, just too perfect of to fitting the narrative, and just too many holes and too much like too many questions. It's like that doesn't make any damn sense, right? Like I don't know, and we can we can get into that, but like the complete lack of of patience, you know what I mean? On on the on the part of the media, it's not just that they're impatient, right? Because that's that's one thing. It but they have a narrative that they're trying to push, and it's always been the case. They're always trying to push a narrative, and that's why you only hear about certain stories and you don't hear about other stories. And it's not that they're lying; they just pick and choose what to tell you and what to spend a lot of time on to push a narrative, right? Um, so this fit their narrative perfectly. So they just jumped on it. Obviously if the complete opposite was true or like Jesse Smollett said, if this was like a Muslim or a black guy that attacked him, nobody would have cared. He's exactly right. That same media that jumped on it wouldn't have cared because they are the assholes who suck at their job. And there's a narrative. If it fits the narrative, they push it. If it doesn't, they ignore it. And they have no patience to wait around for facts and make sure that, you know, everything is true. So yeah. it was yeah, bound to happen. Well, let's talk about Jesse Smollett a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, I think as far as why he would want to do that, I think that is pretty well explained by the way our culture uh, reveres victims. Um how you can gain social standing in certain in certain circles by becoming a, a victim of a hate crime like that. Um, and I think that's terrible. Like it doesn't make you a, a hero, you know, getting mugged doesn't make you a hero. Like that sucks if that really happened to you, but it shouldn't make you a hero. Um, but anyway, uh, so I, I think that's well, well enough explained and we can, you know, we can talk more about that if you want, but, what I couldn't wrap my head around for a little for a little while is how he could possibly have thought he would get away with it because this was such a horribly executed hoax. Yeah. Like, you know, like you said, there were holes, holes in the story from the beginning. And it was like, it takes five minutes of critical thinking to, I mean, his story, his story from the get go was inconsistent with itself. So like it doesn't take much skepticism to to start thinking like eh, there's something fishy about this. But so I was thinking like how could he possibly have thought he was going to get away with this? Because if it was you or me who thought of this, you know, for some reason we decide we want to go do a do a victimhood hoax and you know become heroes. I think the first thing you or I would think what would be well if I'm accusing somebody of a crime the police are probably going to investigate it and they're not going to just take my word for it that it happened the way i say it did and they're you know they're going to look into it and they're good at their jobs like they're going to find out they're going to find the inconsistencies in my story they're going to find out that the evidence doesn't match up with what i say happened um that's the way of i would think a reasonable person would would look at it. It's like, well, even if I wanted to do that, it's probably not a good idea. I'm probably not going to get away with it. Um, yeah. 
So I'm like, how could he possibly have thought he could get away with it? Um, yeah. And I, and I have something that I think it might be. Um, and it goes back to the bubble that I think he probably lives in. He's very, you know, he's very much a, a leftist, uh, like intersectional social justice type of person. Right. Yeah. And I think in a certain circles like that, he probably, you know, all the people he hangs out with are probably the same way. And it's like a Hollywood bubble. I don't know if he actually lives in Hollywood. I know he lives in Chicago right now, but um, it's the same kind of liberal left-wing bubble. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think in, in a social group like that, you know, we hear about this all the time, how you're supposed to just, you know, hashtag believe women, hashtag believe victims. Um, this is a world view. You know, we saw that with, uh, with Brett Kavanaugh again, like you're not supposed to ask for evidence. Yeah. And it's, you know, in that circle, you're not supposed to ask for evidence because that's, uh, you know, not showing enough compassion for the victim or whatever. So I think that worldview doesn't value evidence and reason and skepticism and critical thinking. And not only does it not value those things, I think a lot of times it actively shows contempt for those things. Um, right. like if you ask for evidence, you're a racist, sexist, bigot, homophobe, right? Mm-hmm. And that's how that worldview insulates itself against criticism. And so I wonder if you could, if a person could get so deep into that way of thinking that it literally doesn't even cross their mind that most of the rest of the world doesn't think that way. And yeah. that cert- certainly the police don't think that way. Yeah. So is it possible that it didn't even cross his mind that the police would not just take his word for it? (laughs) Like that that sounds ridiculous, but uh, you know, yeah, I could see it in a world where you're not just where you truly believe that, that, you know, you should believe all victims, um, that that's the default position and you're completely surrounded by this echo chamber of people who are like that. Then, and you think of this other out there, these, these, these zombies out on the other side of the bubble who don't think like that. And they're just, they're freaks and they're wrong. And they're like a minority or something. And you in the world that you live in, you represent how most people think. And I could see in a way, maybe an echo chamber giving you that idea that like it's those, it's other people way. They're not, they don't live here. They're not like us. They're not here, you know, because you never talk to them. You never meet one. You never see one. You know, I'm sure he doesn't know a conservative, you know, he's probably never had a conversation with a conservative, you know, at least not about politics. He probably didn't know that it was a conservative if he did have a conversation with one, you know, um, or libertarian or non non progressive liberal, you know, squishy granola bar guy. Right. So. um, So, yeah, I guess I could see that. I think that that's very possible. Um, I mean, it could also answer. be that he's just that much of a goddamn idiot. He could just like, be that dumb. <laughs> yeah, he strikes me as really, really dumb. I mean, this whole thing was really dumb. So either he is like 
like completely out of it, like he's freaking nuts or he is an idiot or maybe something like that where he just genuinely, it never crosses his mind that people who live in his city, cops who live in his city, you know, don't think like he does, you know, and don't believe all victims. So they believe all evidence instead of all victims. So yeah, that could, that could be it. Yeah. He certainly must have known that the media would cover for him and stuff like that because he's on the left and everyone knows that. But yeah, the police are a totally different matter. Yeah. Especially, you know, maybe this is another thing that occurred to me the other day. It's like, what if he thought that the police wouldn't investigate it? And then he would be able to say, you know, then the narrative would be, look at these racist cops who won't investigate the assault of a gay black guy. Yeah. Yeah. I think there was some stuff like that early on. It was like, no one's reporting on this. And of course the people were, but that was like a thing early on. Like people yeah, saying, it's like no literally, literally on this. everybody's reporting about it saying yeah. that no one's reporting about it. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I think they were pushing that. And I do think, uh, I don't know enough about it, but I've heard that, the uh, even the Chicago police were like being very careful about how they went forward with this. That they basically knew for quite for they were very suspicious from the get go, and that they for quite some time they were like ninety percent sure he was lying. But they just waited and waited because they didn't want to give that perception that they were racist or anything. They were like they have their reputation so depends on like if this was if it wasn't a celebrity gay black dude, you know, then they could have, they wouldn't have had to be so cordial and so careful about what they put out, but they had to be a thousand percent certain before they came out with anything. So I think they waited to say anything until they had overwhelming evidence. And yeah. Can uh, you imagine if as a police department, you came out saying that, that this was a lie and you were wrong? Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be the end of like, that would probably end some people's jobs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think they were especially careful because of the celebrity and the, and the whole hate crime nature, you know what I mean? Like, so, um, so yeah, I think, uh, everyone's everyone, including the police is really sensitive to this. He could have thought he probably also didn't figure that. I don't know. Like, I imagine he would have thought they would have just found no evidence and that would have been enough. You know what I mean? Just the fa- the lack of any evidence and then his testimony would mean that they basically have to believe him. You know what I mean? Um, probably didn't think about cameras. You know what I mean? Catching these guys walking away uh, or thought they were covered up enough that they wouldn't be able to tell or, or, or something or that they would be smarter and not leave all the evidence in their apartment or that they would have a better alibi and not where they leave the country or something right away. And then came back. I don't know, but he probably, I would think he probably thought there would just be no evidence and his testimony and they would just have to go on his testimony and that there'd be nobody arrested. They would never find who did it. And they would just be able to claim this happened. So that's probably what he thought would happen. So he probably, yeah, and I, I think it probably stems from him thinking that the police would never even 
suspect he was lying. And if they didn't think that ever, then they wouldn't investigate a lie, you know, <laughs> like, or, yeah. and it seems like a lot of what they were investigating was his story and whether it was true instead of, you know, and not like, you know, going and trying to find people wearing MAGA hats, you know, white guys in MAGA hats and then going to question them, you know, it was, shit was fishy. So let's dig in and see if these details are true. You know what I mean? So maybe, I bet that's kind of what he must've been thinking. Still stupid, you know, but I bet the idea of them even spending time and effort trying to find out if his story was true was probably not something he thought would happen, you know? Yeah. So he probably thought they would spend a bunch of time and effort looking for somebody or a couple of guys, you know, and, uh, you know, looking at video maybe, and then trying to find MAGA hat wearing white dudes. So anyway, yeah. Um, he is, I like that idea though, that maybe this echo chamber is causing serious delusion, you know, about the world we live in. Like people, we think it's hilarious when people are that dumb and they, they sit and they have echo chambers and, and we know they're idiots and that they, they think they have really dumb ideas about the way the world is, but we don't think about the practical ramifications of that and how, what it's like to go out into the real world with that perception and then, and how you behave differently, you know, because of it. So. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one last thing about this before we move on. Um, and you know, unless you have anything else to say, but this might be an unpopular opinion, but I, I kind of think this is just my opinion, but I think, this hoax was worse than the actual assault would have been if it happened. Like I'm going to go out, go out on a limb and say that. I just think you have to be a massive, massive piece of shit to like willfully come up with an elaborate lie like this that could get other people into serious trouble. And uh, you know, you're taking up all kinds of police resources that could have been going to solving real crimes. You're contributing to this overall climate of hatred that both sides of the political spectrum have for each other. And you're doing it all for your own advancement. Like, yeah. like it literally came out that the, that the motive for this was that he wasn't getting paid enough. Yeah. Like how much of a piece of shit do you have to be to do something like that? It's yeah. That's yeah. insane. He, uh, yeah, this is this, this act is just straight up evil. Like he is a, this is awful, awful, evil. Any sort of race baiting is always horrible. Um, even trying to draw those conclusions on fetchy evidence or fetchy. I don't know if that's good. That's probably not a word. Cut that out. Sketchy. Um, yeah. <laughs> Make me seem smart. I want to be smart. So uh, anyway, <clears throat> I don't know. Race baiting itself is gross. And then deliberately trying to stoke racial and Section, I don't know, racial tensions like for your own advancement is completely disgusting. There's something definitely worse about that. I mean, I mean, it's like when we think of false flag operations, like you think of this in world, you know, in the, in a world perspective, right? Think of like, um, I don't know, the Gulf of Tonkin incident that got us essentially into Vietnam, you know. It's like worse that it was a lie. Like if it had actually happened, it was the pretense for war. So that must be a really bad thing, right? 
Um, for those that don't know what it was, just Google it uh, with enough time. But, you know, like essentially it's pretty much a, a false flag operation. Uh, it was a lot, much exaggerated. Uh, and uh, if we, so if it had happened, then that's some sort of evil in our mind, bad enough for it to be a pretext for war. And we go to war for it. We were attacked, right? That's bad. But there's, there's something worse about lying to us all. And now the fact is we went to war. This is like, you know, what is he? He's like trying to provoke racial tension, maybe a race war. What, what is he trying to do? Really, it's not that nefarious. He just wants a raise, right? But still, he's using, he's lying, which is awful. He's contributing to this awful narrative, which, you know, and what I hate the most about this is I really hate the liberals who are saying things like, oh, the worst part is that this hurts other people's testimony. And because this is a problem, this is a huge problem. Hate crime is on the rise in America. And it's like, so let me get this straight. You had a narrative and you, you so desperately want evidence to support your narrative that when it finally pops up, you jump on it without any evidence. And then it turns out it's false. And then you just fall right back on, well, it's just it's still true, though. It's still true that this happens all the time. It's like, okay, the one bit of evidence you had is gone now. So it's like a preconceived notion. You jump on it because it it verifies your bias. And then when when it turns out it's false, you say, well, this just demonstrates that there is a problem because we wouldn't have jumped on it if we didn't all know that this was a problem in the first place. It's like such circular thinking, yeah. you know, it's quite the mental gymnastics going on yeah. there. And that's what people care about more. And they're trying to, it's like they were, if it was true, they were going to use it to prove that this is a racist, horrible, disgusting country full of awful people. And that, and that it supports their worldview that, that hate crimes are on the rise and, 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 you know, black gay men are just getting attacked all the time. That's what they believe is true. This just, they were going to use this as proof and then turns out it's fake and, in, and they still use it as proof. They're learning the exact opposite of what they should be learning from this, which is that maybe my worldview is bullshit and, I, and it's over the top and oversimplified and there's a lot more going on here and there are bad people out there and bad stuff happens and we cannot stop that. It will happen. All we can do is punish the hell out of people and just try and be good people ourselves and teach our children to be good people. And the world is so much better than it was. And things will keep getting better if we keep teaching people what's right and what's not. But instead, they're learning the exact opposite of the lesson they should be learning, which is that, see, my worldview is true. And then, oh, shit, never mind. Oh, see, my worldview is true. Like, it doesn't matter. So um, I hate that part of it. This, you know, and then this. Like, yeah, I mean, taking it back to the to Jesse Smollett himself, like I just think, above all else, like all of that, all of that is bad. But I don't know. Just the fact that it was a lie is enough for me. Like yeah. the fact that it was a premeditated, thought out, elaborate lie. Like yeah. this wasn't just like he got caught with his hand in the cookie jar or something and and made up a story on the fly to to get out of it. Oh. That would be bad enough. But this was yeah. like premeditated. It's like that is that itself is evil. 
Yeah, it's evil. He's a dishonorable man. He's a disgusting man. Um, you know, I, I didn't know who the hell he was before this happened. So good for him. You know, this is exactly what he wanted, except, you know, hopefully he wasn't going to get caught. But like, you know, I don't care about his politics. Apparently, I disagree with him about everything. I didn't even know who he was, so I couldn't have thought he was evil. Right. And now I know that he is just disgusting piece of shit, like you said. Um, yeah. You know, you know, we were talking about uh, in our talk about the Iliad. We were talking about honor culture and we talked about shame. Yep. And how we need, you know, certain things need to be stigmatized. And this yeah. is one of those things like, yeah. yes, absolutely. He should feel ashamed of himself. Yes. He should. He should God, yeah. everyone yeah. around him should be telling him that he's a piece of shit. Yeah. Like lying at other at other people's expense for your own advancement is shameful in any situation. And then much less or, or sorry, especially when it's such a politically charged, not just politically charged, but like emotionally charged issue that really gets people up in arms. You know, it's like, what's what's the end game here and how how bad could this get? You know, it could get really bad, you know. You could literally cause riots. Like we saw this crap in like Baltimore and Ferguson, you know, like this could have been much worse. You know what I mean? And, uh, and he was willing to accept that, you know, people could have gotten hurt, whatever. I mean, this is all very counterfactual and hypothetical, but you know, there's no telling how bad it could have been. And, and for what, for a little bit more money, you know? Yeah. He should be ashamed of himself. Absolutely. There's no reason to ever trust him again for anybody. Yeah. I mean, unless he seriously changed his ways and like, I don't know. I don't know. How, that's probably not likely to happen, but you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't think, I don't necessarily think he's beyond redemption. Like, you know, people can change their ways and do better, but uh, I doubt that will happen. Well, he deserves to be ashamed and he deserves all the disdain and shame that people throw his way. So, yep. Yeah, you know, that reminds me, uh, this is kind of what I was going to talk about. I told you beforehand, like I had something a little more philosophical to talk about, but yep. you kind of reminded me of it again um, with what the media did with this. They're like, they see this happen, they immediately jump on it without evidence because it supports their narrative. And then when it turns out to be false, they say, well, it doesn't matter that that was false, even though we were using it as evidence of our narrative. Like our narrative is still true. Um, but I was talking to a guy. Uh, this is what I was going to talk about. But um, I was talking to a guy, well, like a few weeks ago about uh, that Gillette commercial mm -hmm. that, that came out. I'm sure you've seen it. Um, yeah. And the toxic masculinity thing. Yeah. And so I was talking to a guy about this and he was very much in the camp of, uh, you know, the opposite of me. Like thinking it was a good thing that they were doing and, and how they're advancing women or whatever. And so the discussion moved from that into the greater, the greater like uh, dynamics between the genders today. And he threw out a statistic to support the narrative that we live in an oppressive patriarchy. Mm -hmm. And he said, you know, I saw, you know, I read somewhere that, 75, the, he said 75% of women, three out of four women have been sexually assaulted or harassed. I'm not sure exactly the way he put it, mm -hmm. 
but I was like, wow, 75%, where'd you get that number? Like, I'm, I'm ser seriously, can we look into that? Like, that's pretty horrifying if that's true. Um, so, you know, are you talking about assault? Are you talking about harassment? You know, and where, where did that number come from? And immediately when I asked him that question, he backpedaled and said, well, let's not get into that. Let's not get into the, like, we don't need to be too focused on the facts. We just need to be focused on, you know, yeah. having our heart in the right place. It was very, very much along the lines of the AOC thing where she said yeah, yeah. Too, too many people are worried about being, how'd she say it, Semant semantically and factually correct instead yeah. of morally correct. Right, right. Um, and so he kind of, he was in that same vein. He's like, yeah, that, as soon as I challenged him on that statistic, you know, <laughs> where it came from, he's yeah. like, he backpedals and says, well, that's not important. So he's willing like, to use this facts until you challenge him. And then it's like, oh, never mind, screw that. I don't yeah, exactly. So he threw out that statistic. He's like, I think he said three out of four women have been sexually assaulted. And I'm, and as soon as I challenged him on it, like I, I show a little bit of skepticism. I'm like, you know, I call that it. I didn't even say it was wrong. I was like, can we, can I, cause I want to, I want to figure out, are you talking about assault? Are you talking about harassment? Are you talking about, uh, you know, crude jokes? Like, what are you talking about here? And yeah. where did the number come from? And how mm -hmm. did they come to it? You know, basic critical thinking questions. And as soon as I did that, he backpedaled. He was like, yeah. well, that's not important. Um, <laughs> and, and I'm like, and so I'm like, wait, hold on a second. You're the one who brought that number up, not me. Like, you can't bring a, bring a number up and then as soon as somebody challenges you on it, say it's not important. That is inconsistent yeah. with your own argument. Yeah, and like, by bringing it up in the first place, it's clearly important to you and it shapes your worldview. The fact that, I mean, that that affected him when he heard that. Uh, so it, it does matter, you know what I mean? That would affect anybody who believes yeah. it. Yeah, well, right? well, to me, it's like, so then I'm at, you know, after this conversation later, I'm asking myself the question, like, why would a person throw out a number to prove a point? Like he's trying to use this number as supporting evidence to support his point, right? Mm -hmm. Why would a person throw out a statistic to support their own argument? And then when they're challenged on it, backpedal and say the thing that they themselves brought up is not important. Yeah. And it, it, it's, it doesn't make any sense. But I, but there's a reason for it, I think. And I think the reason is uh, it's a shocking sounding number, right? If that's true, it's pretty, pretty terrible. You know, if it was, especially if it was talking about sexual assault and not harassment. Yeah. Um, or rape. Yeah. That's a pretty horrifying number, if true. Yeah. And so they know that it's going to have an emotional impact on people when they hear it. Mm -hmm. And whether it's true or not is not the point. The point is the emotional impact. You want to make an emotional impact on people. Yeah. And so I talked to this guy again later about this and I told him that I'm like, you know, when you brought that number up, this is what I think happened. I think you probably hadn't thought much about where that number came from. Um, you might, maybe you don't even know where it came from. You just know that it's, it's shocking sounding and it's going to have an emotional impact when people hear it. Mm -hmm. And so you throw it out there in order to manipulate people's emotions into agreeing with you. And it's dishonest and manipulative. Right. Um, but, and, and it's not 
it's not a good way to discover what's true. Yeah. Like if what we care about is figuring out what's true about the world, that's not the way to do it. Yeah. Um, it's the difference between propaganda and argument. It, yeah, exactly. So, so then we got into a discussion of truth and I figured, I found out that, and this was, this was like a, a light bulb moment for me in this conversation. This guy literally said that he doesn't believe in objective truth. <laughs> like he's one, he's like a, a relativist. Mm. And that was, I was like, whoa, that's what enables people to do that. Yeah. Like, I think that explains so much about our world and our media and, you know, all these scandals that we've been talking about. If you don't, and, and it's not necessarily that I don't think all of those people believe in objective truth or anything. It's just that I think people aren't interested in pursuing truth. And if, if you don't believe in objective truth, clearly you can't care about pursuing truth, right? Yeah. Like if you don't believe it exists, then you, you're not going to be pursuing it. But yeah. I think if you don't have that as your goal, if you don't think there is something that is true about the world, there is a reality that we would, that we would like to understand so we can figure out how to act in the world. If you aren't interested in pursuing that, then that opens the door to to anything you want to say. Yeah. And it, it completely if you've decided that you're going to pursue truth above all else, there's a way to do that that we've developed over thousands of years. It's called reason and critical thinking and skepticism and the rules of logic, you know, stuff as fundamental as like the law of non-contradiction, like yeah. A equals B and A does not equal B. Both of those statements cannot be true at the same time. Right. Like they contradict each other. Mm -hmm. And it's stuff like that. When you agree. Let's when just you, patriarchy. That's not, <laughs> right. That's where that comes from. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but you, you, when it, when you decide that you're, that you're interested in pursuing truth above all else, you, constrain yourself by those rules yeah and that enables you to figure out what's true about the world like but yeah. but the minute you the minute you say you don't believe in objective truth it's like that completely removes all of that 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 yeah. throws all those uh, you know all logic and reason out the window and then we're in the territory of yeah saying whatever it takes to get the other person to agree with you no matter how honest or dishonest it is yeah yeah that's like um I think what's kind of troubling about that is, uh, and maybe kind of encouraging at the same time, is uh, if a lot of people think that way like he does, I bet they don't even know it. Like, there's still a stigma to being wrong. You know what I mean? Like, and he probably only said that because you pushed him to the point where he had an indefensible position. Like, he probably wouldn't have said that or even maybe even... like. Or, maybe he wouldn't have even thought it until you pushed him to that point where it's like, well, either Jason's right or I don't believe in truth. So I just don't believe in truth. You know what I mean? Like I doubt he goes around, especially when he's arguing with people, uh, <laughs> that would be a bad disclaimer before you started an argument. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, Oh, like by the way, I don't believe in truth. 
So don't believe anything I say. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like that that undermines I'll the say whole, whatever I have to. Yeah. That undermines the whole act of the discussion we were having. Like Yeah. Exactly. You're, you, were, you were trying to convince me that that the West is an oppressive patriarchy. Like yeah. So you not believe that that's true? Yeah. God. So, so my point is that like I I it's encouraging that there're probably a lot of people like him who are just as bad about not using reason or logic. But if we could show them, if they could be shown that what they're doing is untruth or it relies on a lack of any universal truth, you know, then perhaps they could change, you know, but no one's challenging them on that. No one's like, or they won't hear it or it won't come up because they're in their echo chambers. But I, I, that's, there's still a stigma to being wrong, you know, and to being, uh, and for, and to being untrue, you know, so people, I think a lot of people think like him and don't know it. Does that make sense? You know what I mean? And the good thing about that is maybe if they could be shown that they could, you know, it doesn't mean they're going to change their mind and not think that the West is an oppressive patriarchy, but they'll lose at least use some reason to get there instead of nonsense. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm sure there's a reasonable way to argue that. That doesn't mean you're going to win or that it's absolutely true, but there's got to be a more reasonable way to argue that the West is a patriarchal, oppressive place. And certainly we could all agree with that when you go back a little bit, you know, like we, again, you can use reason and stats and, and, and facts and, you know, historical context to prove that, you know, we all believe in 1500 that, you know, the West was an oppressive patriarchy. You know what I mean? <laughs> like we all believe that. Why do we believe it? Evidence. Right. Um, so they are reasonable. Sometimes they, they know what it looks like, you know, so we could show them, I don't know. So I, Point is, it's doable to make similar arguments about today using reason and, you know, maybe even do a decent job. I haven't really heard one, but I'm sure it's out there. Yeah. Um, you know, to me, I don't think anyone. I'm trying to think of how to say this. I don't think anyone actually believe actually doesn't believe in objective truth in some sense. Yeah. Or at least not all the time. Maybe like moral truth or something. You can get specific, but truth itself, like yeah, either three yeah. and four women have been assaulted or they haven't. Those are the only two options. Like there is no third option. This isn't Schrodinger's cat. You know, this isn't quantum theory. It's not like in if once you open the box, you know, before you open the box, they either have or haven't been raped. Like three out of four women, but it, it's there, there's plenty of in between. But it either is or is not. One is true. It can't both be true. That is objective, right? So you can't even go there. I don't know how the hell he pretends he can, but yeah. But my like nobody acts that way in their daily yeah. life. Like everyone eats, right? Yeah. Because it is objectively true that if you don't eat, you will die. Yeah. Like no one acts as if that truth is relative, or if, as if that truth isn't real no one acts that way in their in their day-to-day -day life and it, and it seems to me like that's almost a like relativism in that sense at least in the sense of i'm not talking about moral relativism i'm talking about uh relativism as it relates to reality itself mm -hmm. um it almost seems to me like people say that and use it as a crutch when they don't want to have to defend something they think it's like, 
well, I don't want to have to argue and, and come up with good reasons for what I think. So I'm just going to say truth doesn't exist. Yeah. And, and it, it's, 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 very, it's, it's, it's intellectually lazy. Yeah, for sure. Well, um, that guy's an idiot, whoever he was. So, but uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily think I, maybe, but I think it's more of a, the echo chamber kind of thing. Sure. Like he's pretty deep in that bubble of, mm -hmm. uh, you know, like relativistic kind of new agey thinking. Yeah. And has a lot of people that reinforce that. So I don't know. Right. All right, man. I think that pretty much wraps it up. Right. Yeah. For now. All right. Well, um, that was good stuff. I think uh, just wait a few more weeks, and I'm sure there'll be some other outrageous bullcrap that the media jumps on and uh, isn't true, or you know, no reason to think it's true. And uh, whether we find out they're wrong or not, they're just still going to jump on stuff, even if it is true, and they jump on it before there's any evidence. You know, that's just luck. But I'm sure it'll you know, happen I, again soon. I kind of, I, I almost said like. Nobody will learn from this. And I still think probably none of the media will learn from this. But the, the Jesse Smollett thing, I mean. But the fact that he did get caught and the fact that he's getting prosecuted gives me a little bit of hope. Yeah, it is like, nice. Maybe we are moving in the right direction. Yeah, I heard he was also written out of the last two episodes of the season for whatever that last show two, was on. Last two seasons, I think. Oh, sure, whatever. Um, I don't know. You might be right. Either way, it was written out of it. So that's that's encouraging that even if it is begrudgingly that even the lefty super McLefterson Hollywood types have to acknowledge this was bad. And, uh, you know, and you know, there's, there should be consequences, even social consequences, you know? So that is encouraging. Yeah. Yep. If you like this show, there are many ways you can support it. You can talk about it on your own blog or podcast, you can share it on social media with your friends, or you can leave a rating or review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you happen to listen to it. If you're watching on YouTube, you can subscribe to the channel and hit the thumbs up button if you like this video. Thank you for your support, and we'll see you next time on Philosophication.